This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We got about halfway through this lesson two weeks ago, uh, entitled Taking the Gospel Around the World from Here at Home. And uh, we closed out the lesson time uh, last time, two weeks ago, talking about how effective it is sometimes to reach people uh, who are international people, who are foreigners, in our own country, and there's a lot of them, and uh, giving them the gospel and then how they take the gospel back to their own people. It's a wonderful thing uh, that uh, we have the privilege of doing that. God has not called all of us to be missionaries. That is, foreign missionaries, to go out to a foreign country. He's called us all to be soul winners, or at least to be witnesses. God is, Christ is the soul winner. God's the soul winner. We are his witnesses. And uh, we are to be witnesses in, the, in that sense and in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is responsible to bringing them to himself as they receive the gospel from us. But it's a wonderful opportunity that we have here in America to have so many international uh, people uh, among us that we can witness to. And who knows, if they get saved and take the gospel back, we're a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. And it was kind of interesting to me that after the Sunday school lesson, Gene Sarah came to me with a wonderful example of that. And so, Gene, you'll have to go up on the platform to the microphone up there, but I want you to share that with the class, what you shared with me. Well, as Pastor Cole's alluded to, we all can't do everything, but maybe God will open a door and let us get involved with something. And God opened a door and let me get involved with the Gideon ministry. And you know that they place Bibles uh, in a lot of different places. And so this story was given to the Gideons by a male nurse uh, from Portsmouth Naval Hospital. The uh, military powers in the world were having a naval conference at the Naval War College, and the what would be the chief of naval operations from the Russian Navy was in attendance at the conference, and he became sick, and they took him to Portsmouth Naval Hospital. And they couldn't find anything that wrong with him. And the nurse was taking care of him uh, for about a month. And one day he walked in and the admiral was sitting up in his bed. And he said, now I know why I came to America. And the nurse said, well, certainly, Admiral, you went to this uh, conference up there. He said, no. And he held up this New Testament that the Gideons placed beside his bed. And he said, I've read through this three times and I found Jesus. That's why I came to America, and now I can take Jesus back to Russia. And so we just praise God for that opportunity. Amen. And Amen. It's good. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you for sharing that with us, Jane. Not uh, so appropriate for, uh, for the lesson that we're involved in. Let me just review briefly. We'll go back to the very beginning and, and just briefly go through the outline up to where we are right now. Um, <clears throat> why do we get involved? What, what is, what's the purpose of getting involved? There are two reasons we have listed here in our notes. The first one is, is because of the Great Commission. 
In Matthew 28, we have referred to this many times throughout uh, our study uh, of missions during uh, this quarter of, uh, of our Sunday school class. But because of, of God's great commission, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And God has given us a great commission. Not only is the church's responsibility, and I believe that basically the Great Commission is given to the church, uh, to, uh, to each local church to fulfill. But you and I make up these local churches. We make up this local church. We're part of it. We're part of the body of Christ here. And, uh, and so consequently, the church can't do that if we as individuals don't get involved. You'll agree with that. And so we do it because of his Great Commission. But then secondly... We do it because of his great love. And we referred to the, uh, to the story of the Good Samaritan, which is found in Luke chapter 10. And uh, in, in that uh, story that our Lord related, Jesus explains to an inquisitive lawyer. Uh, the lawyers were, they were scribes to the law, and uh, most of them were, uh, belonged to the sect of the Pharisees. And uh, he, he asked this question, he said, what does it mean to love the Lord, with all, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself? Uh, Jesus said that. And then the lawyer responded and said, well, who is my neighbor? And uh, telling the story of the Good Samaritan then, and we're all familiar with that uh, story that our Lord told. Jesus asked him, which now of these, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? The truth is, they're all our neighbors. They're all our neighbors. Now, I live on Phoenix Drive in Chesapeake. I have a house on this side. I have a house on this side. I have a house over across the street. A retired Marine lives in. I got one across the street over here where... Um, a divorced lady with her daughter and son live. They're my neighbors. But you know what? The guy on the street, over on the next street, over on Condor, he's my neighbor too. According to the definition of, that our Lord gives to the term neighbor here. You're my neighbor. Uh, the people that own this Mexican restaurant over here, they're our neighbors. And Jesus says we are to go out to our neighbors and um, love our neighbor like we love ourselves. And I want to be honest with you, most of us love ourselves. Maybe more than we should. But, but there's a certain amount of pride, you know, that we take in ourselves, and rightly so. And so <clears throat> we, we get involved in getting the gospel out to our neighbor. Because of the great love that God has for our neighbor. And because of the commission that he's given to us to do that. And, uh, <clears throat> and then we, we moved on from there and uh, talked about the possibilities. And the possibilities are expansive. Um, uh, they're immigrant workers. They're international students. They're foreign representatives that live among us. And we have the opportunity to 
to rub shoulders with them on various occasions. And uh, as we rub shoulders with them, we also, God has also gives us divine appointments uh, to give them the gospel. I don't know uh, uh, about your personal makeup, your personality makeup, but I'm of, uh, I'm, I'm of the uh, makeup, there's probably a name for it, but uh, that um, foreigners to me, in a sense, you know, they're, they're a different culture, uh, different religion, they have different backgrounds, different ways of living, different things. And uh, it's hard for me to approach somebody like that. I don't know if you have that problem or not, but, but I do. I have to confess, I do. I have that problem. But, uh, but we have opportunities to them and the possibility there to reach them. And I'm going to give you uh, this morning, as we get further in our lesson when I get caught up here, I'm going to give you some ways that we can communicate with them and reach them. And so what opportunities do we have for those here? They're foreign, foreign workers. Some of you work side by side at the, on the job, or you did if you're retired now, you probably did at the shipyard or in the school or wherever you may have worked. Uh, you, you rub shoulders with some of those people. But you know, we rub shoulders with them in the supermarket too. And out on the street, uh, there are international students here. Uh, the general population, where we shop, where we get our hair cut, our hair done. You ladies that go to salon, probably, uh, at uh, one time or another, I realize that there's not a great number of people in, the, in, the, in a haircut place or a beauty salon. But nevertheless, uh, we find people of cross-culture and in our very neighborhoods uh, in Chesapeake, Suffolk, Norfolk, Virginia Beach. Uh, they're all around. So how do we get started with this? Well, we have to just go to the basics. And uh, that's the best way to do it. Just, just go to the basics and do the basic thing. So let me give you some examples here of how we can get started. And we got, we got down to letter E uh, on this one. Didn't get to, we didn't do letter E. But, but first of all, we said this. Consider, consider going to places as a regular routine where there are internationals. Do it on purpose. Um, frequent the same barbershop or hair salon or get in the same checkout line where the purpose, or a person at the cash register is maybe a foreigner, what, uh, whatever foreigner, whatever nationality they may be. Um, patronize the same restaurant. Uh, go to the Mexican restaurant. If you know a little Spanish, <clears throat> or if you don't take a Spanish track with you, most of them know English anyway, a little, at least enough to converse with them. That's the reason they can work in those restaurants, because they can converse with us, with us uh, gringos, <laughs> us English-speaking people, you see. And, uh, and then uh, letter B, get others from church involved over time. And then letter C, allow time in your schedule to meet and to get to know internationals. You have to do this in, on purpose. Um, uh, we meet sometimes accidentally, but 
But to, to really reach out to them, it has to be an on-purpose action, you see. And uh, don't expect every initiated relationship to turn into a deep evangelistic opportunity. It's not going to happen. It may take a while. It may take a year, longer, maybe even, to get to the point where you have rubbed shoulders with this person long enough for them to get to respect you, uh, get to know you somewhat, where that that person would, be, would feel comfortable in your presence and you likewise in their presence. And so not the first, the first encounter with, uh, with an international, it may not be what we would term to be productive, but eventually it will. Do it on purpose. And that brings us to where we left off the last time. In your conversations, be transparent about your faults, your sins. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> I mean by that, let them know that you're just like they are. Only you've been redeemed through the blood of Christ. Be careful. Do not gloat over past sins that are under the blood and forgiven by God. I always cringe when someone stands up in a testimony meeting and goes back in the past and rehearses the deep sin that they've been in. We don't have to do that, folks. We don't have to dig up the dirt of the past. All of us have some of that dirt in our past. I'm not proud of it, but some people stand up and will give a testimony like they're proud of it, even though they've been saved. Please don't be guilty of doing that. You, you can say, you know, God saved me from a life of drunkenness or uh, from a life of, of debauchery or, you know, but you don't have to go into, well, I don't want to hear your dirty details, all right? What I want to know is that God's forgiven you. You're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're no longer guilty before God. There may be some people in your past that are still holding you guilty, but they're going to have to answer to God for that, you know. But as long as you've come to Christ for forgiveness and, and you've allowed the blood of Jesus Christ, you've accepted God's finished work upon the cross for your redemption, for the forgiveness of your sins, put it in the past and leave it there. You don't have to gloat over it. But you know what? We don't have to act like we're... What's the saying? Goody two-shoes? Is that, is, that, is that the way it goes? Or holier than thou? Because we're not. We're just dirt. Clay pots is the way Paul puts it. We're just clay pot, pots. I liked it the way Jim Benny used to say it. We're, we're cracked pots. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and, and uh, you know, we, we let them know that you're made out of the same stuff they're made out of, even though they come from a different culture, they speak a different language, they have a different religion. You're just like they are. And they're just like you are. Or at least just like you were. And still are, in a sense, except there's a difference. You've been forgiven. And that's the goal of your life for them, is to get them before God forgiven and their sin put under the blood, redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. So it says, let them know that you're just like they are and, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and uh, make them feel comfortable with, 
um, talk to them about how, how, what God's done in your life. Uh, read along with me here what I've written here. Don't gloat over the past sins. They're under the blood and forgiven by God. But discreetly show what it means to realize that you are a sinner that's been forgiven by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Talk about your, your struggles, but make sure that they know that in Christ you have hope. Talk to them about how your local church is helping you to shoulder those burdens and strengthen you so you can bear them. Talk about those things. And, uh, and then that brings us to letter F. If they're willing, show them your family and your church and your friends. Know that there, there, there might be some hidden barriers, such as if you're talking to a Muslim, for example, he may say something like this, I can't come to eat at your house because the meat is not halal. What's that mean? That's the reason I put the footnote down there for you. What does halal mean? Well, it's Arabic for permissible. Uh, they can only eat certain kinds of meat that have, been, that have been slaughtered or killed in such a fashion, in such a way that's acceptable for them, for them to be able to eat it. You can read that footnote down there. And, uh, and so, you know, they may say something like that. Well, if that's the case, say, you know what? I'd love for you to come over for a meal, and if you'd like to bring the meat, that's fine. They may not be able to do that, but if you would like to bring the meat, I'd like to eat the kind of meat that you eat, you know? I mean, they're still alive after eating it. You'll survive it. <laughs> and, uh, and so on. And, uh, and, uh, and you, can help, you can ask others how to, how to navigate that if you need to. And then the next letter G, show that you're willing to learn about them, their beliefs, their family, their history, etc. Be open to sharing your own as well with them. Pray that they'll ask uh, reciprocal questions. Ask questions about, about their culture. They'd love to tell you. Uh, they're not shy about sharing their culture or their religion or some of their beliefs or some of their practice, they, they, they would be glad for you to learn that. Uh, sometimes we're, we're a little reluctant to ask those kind of questions because we don't know what's in their heart. We don't know how they'll respond to it. But, uh, but most of them don't mind sharing how they live with you. And uh, so do that, if you will. Show them that you're willing to learn, a letter H, don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. Talk about what you've learned at church. Talk about what the Lord is teaching you in your daily devotions. You know what? I read a part of the book of Psalms in the Old Testament today, and, and, and here's what I learned. Here's what God spoke to me uh, out of his word about today. Share that with them. They'll listen, mostly. Now, there, there'll be some rejections, of course, but, but most of them are, they're, they're willing to hear, they're willing to learn. They want to get to know you like you want to get to know them. And they're as bashful about it as you are. But if you initiate the conversation, initiate the questions, they're likely to ask you reciprocal questions about your faith and what you believe and so on. And... Uh, They're, they're, they're in a new context and they're willing to learn about new cultures and new beliefs. 
and um, uh, they come already wanting, wanting to, to broaden their horizons and, of worldview. And if your friend does happen to be a Muslim, you know, we have the vision and the attitude that we have toward Muslims, for example, is not a positive view. We think they're all like uh, Saddam Hussein, but they're not. You know, there really are some nice, kind Muslims. Uh, they believe wrong. Uh, they, they, have the wrong, they have the wrong doctrine. They're serving the wrong God. Allah is not our God. Amen. They'll call him God, but, uh, but the heathens have gods that they call gods as well. And, and what they need is the truth. They need the gospel. They need what we have to share with them. You know? And, and uh, <clears throat> so not all Muslims are bad people. If you have a neighbor that's a Muslim, uh, he... He most likely is not carrying a, a long uh, knife in his, in, in his back belt, you know, and, and I'm about to stab you with it. There are some like that. But there are some, uh, there are some of us like that, too. Uh, not me. <laughs> not you. <clears throat> but there are some of all our culture that are like that as well. There are dangerous people to live around. And uh, so, so let's get over that mindset, that attitude that uh, he's a Muslim. I got, I'm, I'm suspicious of him or her, you know. Um, they run around with dots in their forehead. That's Hindus that do that. Uh, <clears throat> she covers herself up, you know. You can't, you can't even see her face. And some of them have gotten a little away from that. But um, they are different. But we want them to be different for Christ, don't we? And uh, so let, let's just kind of get past that mindset that all Muslims are wicked people. They're going to hurt you. And uh, they shouldn't live in our neighborhood, that sort of thing. We don't need to have that kind of a, an attitude. And uh, <clears throat> we, we, we need to be careful, though, that if they are dangerous, you know, the, the authorities need to know about that. And uh, if the guy living next to you is like you, same color of your skin and uh, your same culture and so forth, and he's dangerous, the authorities need to know about him too. Amen. You get the point? You know what I'm saying, don't you? Yeah. So don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. They come ready and wanting to know about you. And, uh, and here's a good one. In fact, one of, one of the best ones. Don't engage in long debates, especially heated debates. We like those sometimes, don't we? But they don't really produce anything. See? All you have to offer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what you have to offer them. Debates often get nowhere. Points are fired back and forth. There's increased motivation to add more ammunition with every exchange. Allow things, uh, they, they, always, they always, always think of ways to steer the people back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't be ignorant of your friend's questions. But get back to him. Uh, don't ignore, right? don't ignore your friend's questions. If you don't know the answer, say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that question, and I'll get back to you. 
And if you say you're going to get back to them, make a point to get back to them. Now, don't just say, I'll get back to you with the hopes that you'll never meet them again. <laughs> That's not the point of the conversation. That's not the point of, uh, of the encounter, of the, of, the, of the meeting together. The point is, is learn about them, get to know them, befriend them, be a part of the Great Commission, and get the gospel out to them the best way you can. If, uh, if you have some tracts in their language, uh, arm yourself with those tracts. Pass them out. Give them the gospel. Give them the word, you know. Let them sit down in the quietness of their home or in the quietness of their car, some other place, and read that track. And uh, I, always, I always feel it's better to give a person a track and they stick it in their pocket and take it home and read it and, and, uh, than if they just stand there and read it. Sometimes people will, especially in foreign countries. I have been in foreign countries and handed tracks to people on the street and they'll just stop right there and read it. Here in America, they throw them on the sidewalk. Uh, but anyway, um, letter J. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel and for their salvation. Pray for them. Bathe, bathe, bathe your contact with them uh, in prayer. Anytime we give out the word of God, anytime that we're witnesses, witnessing to somebody, we ought to be prayed up. Uh, just take some time. If you know that, that your venture out is to make contact with somebody that you want to share the gospel with, take the time to pray before you go. Ask God to give you boldness of speech. You know, Paul prayed for boldness. Uh, when he was in the palace, he said, God gave me boldness, but I believe Paul prayed that God would give him that boldness when he was there. And uh, we need that same kind of boldness and, uh, uh, to get out to other people. And then uh, Roman numeral number five, reach out as a church. We've been basically talking about individuals uh, getting involved in, in the Great Commission at home. But we need to reach out as a church body. Praise God that we're not called to go about cross-culture evangelism on our own. That's the reason God has given us a church. That's why God has given us a fellowship. That's why God's given us a Sunday school class. To have close fellowship together and get involved together in this, in this adventure. And uh, get, get a partner and, and go together. Uh, letter A, get to know members of Good News Baptist Church who are different, of different culture, ba cultural backgrounds. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever gone up to Moscow Fowler and said to Moscow, Moscow, tell me about Japan. Tell me, tell me about the culture of Japan. You ever done that? Some of you have, yeah, of course. And good, I, I, uh, good for you, I'm glad you've done that. But I bet you Mochiko would be glad just to sit down with you and talk to you. How about Sukio Toler when she was in the church? Anybody go to her and say, Sukio, tell me, how, how do they worship God in Korea? Uh, tell me about, as much as you can, about Korea and the culture that you come from. You know, people would be glad to share that with you. And, and you're asking a Christian to do that, 
and, and, and you're having Christian fellowship, the purpose for that uh, contact is not to try to win her to, to Christ. She always knows the Lord. What you're trying to do is to befriend her and learn more about her culture. Well, we have people like that in our church. We have missionaries in our church that, that minister to other cultures. Anybody ever gone to Brother Tobin or Sandy? And said, Brother Tobin, tell me about your work in Mexico. Uh, how did you reach those people? You know, what are the, how did they respond? Oh, is the gospel readily accepted there in Mexico? They'll be glad to take some time to tell you about the work that God called them to there and now here working with our Spanish people. And uh, take that opportunity to get to know different cultures and uh, familiarize yourself with different cultures. Sometimes be the reason we don't mingle with different cultures is because we don't know anything about them. And furthermore, we're not really that interested in knowing anything about them. At least that's the mindset sometimes we have. But if we're going to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ right here at home, and I'm talking about cross-cultural contacts, uh, we're going to have to make some contact with them, you see. All right, so get to know uh, members of Good News Baptist Church with cross-cultural backgrounds. This will help you relate to others from different, uh, different cultures. It'll, it'll, help, it'll help you wade through the water of what Christianity is versus the American culture itself. Big difference there. Uh, you'll start to learn to contextualize. Remember, we talked about that a couple months ago. Contextualization. While still maintaining a strong loyalty to the gospel, these friends are also great people to involve in ministry to people that you meet from similar cultures. Christianity is not just for Americans like us, like you. The gospel has the power to save all who believe from every nation and from every tongue. And um, if, uh, if you run into, let's say, let's say you run into a, uh, a family from Mexico, and uh, maybe they don't converse in English very well. They still speak Spanish, mostly. And you need a little help with them. I'll bet you that if you go to Marvin Tobin and say, Brother Tobin, I've got this Spanish couple that lived a couple doors down from me, and I've been trying to talk to them, trying to reach them. Would you go with me? I can almost guarantee you. I can all no, I won't put any money on it. <clears throat> but I can I can I can guarantee you that Brother Tobin says, when can we go? Because he would just he would be just as anxious to talk to them and give them the gospel as you would for Brother Tobin to do that. And uh, and, and Moscow, if you run into somebody from Japan. I bet Moscow, maybe, and Jerry Wither would be, would be glad to go with you and try to reach these Japanese people, you know, and so on, okay? All right, uh, letter B. Allow yourselves to be uh, discipled by others who reach out uh, to internationals. And, of course, I've listed here Brother Tobin and our Spanish and, our, and some of our supported missionaries. Um, you don't need 
to look for a template or some special formula in order to reach out or to have a ministry uh, to these type of people. In fact, you really shouldn't. Each individual is different, but at least, at least you can observe what types of questions the people would ask uh, to break the ice and to get to know them better. Letter C. Get members of the opposite gender involved. Sometimes this is necessary. Uh, your spouse, if you have one. Especially if you start to get, get to know internationals of the opposite gender. Get others in the church of their gender involved in this relationship. Particularly in international cultures, it's inappropriate for men and women to form close relationships. Get your spouse involved also. I think that's self-explanatory. Letter D, if you're limited in time, get others involved. We have multiple members of our church working together of different seasons of life, different ages. And perhaps, uh, perhaps you know someone else in the church who might relate better to, uh, to an international that you've met uh, because of the age and gender and culture and so forth. The, work should work, the church should work together to win souls to Christ. It's a, it should be a church activity as well as an individual activity. Letter E. Get others to pray for you and motivate, and motivate them in social events uh, and, and, excuse me, and involve them in social events with internationals. Invite your friend to come to church and explain to him that it doesn't have to be a Christian to come to a Christian church. Of course, the object is that he will become a Christian. But explain it. You, you know, you, you're not of our religion, but, but if, you come, if you come to Good News Baptist Church, you'll learn about our religion. It'll be instructive and, and, uh, and uh, informational to you. And then in the meantime, as the gospel's preached, taught in a Sunday school class or whatever, as they hear the gospel, it gives the Holy Spirit to begin working in their heart and in their mind. And the Holy Spirit begins drawing them to the Lord Jesus. Mark? Just real quick. Uh, my neighbor had Spanish people working for him, and they didn't speak uh, real good English. And Pastor Tobin gave me some New Testaments in Spanish and a tract. And then I gave him a card for a free lunch and gave it to each one of them. Good. So just one way of to talk to them even though you can't speak their language. Yeah, good. Very good. Thank you, Mark. All right. Um, offer to answer any questions that they may have about the service. Just to say, you know, do you have any questions? Uh, something you didn't understand, what we did. Let me explain it to you. You know? Easy opening there. Um, it's a great way for them to understand the gospel better. It's also a good way for them to see the love, the, good, the, the genuine Christian love that Christians have for each other. So uh, that's how we can reach out as a church. But now you have to be prepared, okay? Roman numeral number six. Be prepared. How can we prepare ourselves for ministry to internationals? Well, how can we, how can we prepare ourselves uh, for conversations with them? Often, 
they'll be coming from a very different religious background. Uh, you might run across Muslims, Buddhists, postmoderns. Uh, what is a postmodern? Let me explain it to you. I happen to made it, make a note of that myself. I know what they are, but, but here's what I wrote down. Postmodernism is a late 20th century movement characterized by broad skepticism um, and subjectivism and relativism, a general suspicion. You want to know, you want to, if you want to understand where many of our political leaders are coming from today, they're coming out of this movement, the postmodern movement. For example, a good example of a postmodern, uh, of the postmodern movement is the idea that not all people see stealing as negative. You wonder why all these riots are taking place and nothing's done? It's because the people running those cities and are involved in the government of those cities, they're postmodernists. So they don't see anything wrong with it. That's, that's what we're living with today. And uh, most of the news media come out of that movement, the postmodernist movement. That's the reason why when you listen to CNN, MSNBC, and and most of, the, uh, most of the national networks, they'll look right at the camera and lie to you and smile. There's nothing wrong with it. That's postmodernism. And that's what we're faced with today. And, uh, and uh, so you run into people like that. How are you going to deal with them? Well, I don't know. Uh, you run into nominal Catholics and, and um, um, animists. Uh, an animist, and I've got a footnote there for you. Uh, they come, that's, uh, that's, that's included in all forms of Shinto and, uh, and uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, pantheism, etc. And um, we run into people like that all the time. We don't, we don't really realize what they are, but that's what they are. And then secularists, people that are very secular in their appearance. You name it. We run into people like that. We have to be prepared for people like that. You know, back, you know, back when we were younger, uh, these movements didn't exist. Postmodernism, we didn't even know what it was. It, it wasn't even a term that was in, the, in, was in the dictionary. You know, most people had common sense. Well, common sense went out, went out the window a long time ago. You and I still, you know, mo most of us know what common sense is. But these modern, for these postmodern, they don't have a clue as to what common sense is anymore. They're taught that in our universities, in our state universities. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, that the Christian that sends their kids to a state university, um, don't do it. Send them to a Christian university. You know there are Christian universities where they can get a, a better education than what they can get at Harvard. Harvard is one of our Ivy League schools, you know, prestigious schools. People send their kids there to get educated because I went to Harvard. 
baloney. Send them to Pensacola, Ambassador, Bob Jones, Crown. Send them to a good Christian college where they'll get a sensible education. I'm preaching to the wrong crowd here. <laughs> You've already done that. But maybe by somebody's listening by a live stream that might be helped with that. You know. Anyway, where was I? Be prepared. Know the gospel. Learn how to present the gospel. And uh, know the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Jew first, and then the Greek. Letter B. Build a vision for all nations in your mind. All right, let's finally open the Bible. <laughs> you know, one thing <clears throat> about these type of lessons that, that it doesn't really trouble me because I think it's important information, but we don't get down into the scriptures very much. But let me share at least one verse with you today, all right? Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says this, after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and uh, with palms in their hands. This is, the, this is, what, this is a, a vision of heaven. And who's there? People from all nations, all tongues, all cultures, they're all there. There's somebody out of all of them there. What does that tell us? That tells us that God gave the gospel, God gave the, uh, God gave the, the, the gospel, the Great Commission, not just to us, not just Americans, but he sent it for the Buddhists too, for the Japanese, for the Koreans, for the Africans, for... Uh, the people down in Brazil, Bolivia, all over the world, Russia. And there will be people from all those nations before the throne. That, uh, that gentleman that got saved in the hospital reading that New Testament, Gideon New Testament, went back to Russia. He'll be there. And there'll be others. And so that's the kind of vision that we need. That's the vision that we need to formulate and cultivate in our minds. Build a vision of all nations in your mind. Let her see. Read the international section of the newspaper. I, I don't know if there is one in the pilot or not. The pilot's good for making fires, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know how the rest of you feel about it, but the only reason we get it is because my wife makes me pay the subscription fee, you know. Uh, the only, and, the, and the only reason she gets it is because it's got all those, it's got all those coupons in it on, what is it, Thursday, Friday, those coupons come? Huh? Wednesday, whatever it is. There I am. And so I have, to, I have to pay that hundred and something. We only get it Wednesday through Sunday. We don't, we don't get it on Monday and Tuesday. It's a little cheaper that way. <laughs> I never read the thing. She does. <clears throat> Honey, that's not a criticism, okay? <laughs> I'll pay the price for this later. 
She knows how I feel about the pilot. In fact, I told her some time ago, I said, when you die, the first thing I'm going to do is cancel the subscription to the pilot. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, though. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> read the international section of the newspaper. There's things happening in the world that may be of interest to your neighbor. Uh, the country that they're from, they may have had a flood or a tsunami, or, or something tragic happened, you know? Be familiar with that. Uh, letter D, learn about your friend's country. Spend time researching it on the internet. Learn about the gospel's availability around the world and in, and, and, and in specific countries. Be willing to ask questions of your friend and show them what you want to learn. Uh, even if you don't have international friends. Start building up an international awareness. Pray about one country per week with your family and with others. And, uh, and by the way, if you do that, I think it'll help you with our missionary program here at Good News Baptist Church to understand why we are involved in so, with so many missionaries. And, and pastors trying to take on missionaries. Now, pastor and the deacons working together trying to take on missionaries that are kind of spread out around the world. And that's a good thing. I uh, appreciate him doing that. And then finally, at noon, I say, talk to others at church and research your friend's culture and religion. This is a great way to learn from, from missionaries that come to Good News Baptist Church. Uh, you know, these missionaries that come through here, Take the time to go by their tables and, and spend, just spend some time. You don't, have to spend, you don't have to monopolize their time, but just go by and ask them some simple questions about their work, their country, the country that they're ministering to and, and the culture, the people that, that, they're, that they're ministering to. It not only will be an encouragement to the missionary that you're interested in what they're doing, but it'll also be informative to you to give you a broader worldview. Father, thank you so much for this series of lessons. I pray that you will help us to be aware, uh, Father, that there are other people around us that are not of the same culture that we are, but because of who we are and who we serve, that, Lord, we should take the opportunity presented before us by you to reach out to them in the most effective way we can. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.